Oh, dear God. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to the I Am Vinyl podcast. My name is Pete LaRussa, and beside me here once again is Joey from the Rock Strikes 10 podcast, along with a special guest, his new cat. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I am such a podcaster. Cat interrupting audio. So we're here today, and we're following up our episode from last month, Record Store Day, 2021, Drop One. Today we're focusing on Record Store Day, 2021, Drop Number Two, which took place on July 17th. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Very easy. It's as easy as trying to do a podcast with a cat hanging out around you. Yeah. Hey, cat videos are big on the internet still, so I mean, this could only help views. So, can't dispute that. So, why don't we just get right into the records? Sure, let's all do right. it, man. Let's talk. Let's talk some music, because I've been talking kitty litter all week. So <laughs> I'm I'm really desperate to talk about records. All right. Well, that's what we're here for. So let's do it, and we'll start with my first pick, and it's a record that. Joey and I actually were hoping for, and we mentioned in our Black Friday 2020 episode that I ran back there and grabbed the CD when we were talking about the Beastie Boys, some old bullshit, white vinyl release, and we asked for it, and holy shit, we fucking got it. Beastie Boys, Aglio e Olio on clear vinyl, and this has a bonus track their cover of The Doors, Light My Fire. And as I said on my post, when I opened and spun this record for the first time, it's only odd in that it just really doesn't really fit on this record. It's a cool bonus track, but being an old hardcore record, or EP at the time, if you want to call it that, it's very oddly, you know, in place here. But, you know, it's a very cool addition. The other thing that makes that a head scratcher, I will go over the positive first. Well, actually, before I get started on that, can we do a little tribute here? I mean, you did, I don't think you said the band name right. We got to do a little tribute to a fallen legend oh. out from your neck of the woods. Oh, the yeah. Beastie Boys. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I have I have done that on prior episodes of the podcast where I featured Beastie Boys. So yeah. I, I think one of the earlier episodes when we first started the podcast. So, yeah, I, I do agree with that sentiment. Um, rest in peace. Biz Marquis, he was a very big part of the Beastie Boys legacy. Yeah, he's, a, he's practically family. And that, um, you know, of course, one of the things that I, I was playing over and over again when that happened was uh, him doing Benny and the Jets with the Beastie <laughs> Boys, playing the instruments. It's, it's one of, it, it might be in my top 10 cover songs of all time. It's as, if you haven't heard it, me describing it, it's as great as you think it is, plus more. But getting back to Aglio, yeah. uh, I will say the head scratcher of this release. Now, the cool factor is that bonus track is uh, not on the Japan CD import, which makes it right. an even cooler pressing that, hey, we got an extra song. Hey, it's a short album. Give us what we can at record store day prices because you know how that is. Mm-hmm. What is it? 25? It's not even 25 minutes. So what? 15 minutes? Yeah, it's really short. It's like it's really, 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 really short. I, mean, I feel I'm like it's surprised. less than that. I feel like it's like around like 10 minutes. Yeah, and I can't believe it wasn't on um, 45 speed. But anyway, all that being said, so the bonus track 
is a cover of Light My Fire, and it's kind of done Jose Feliciano style. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like a, it's got a little Spanish guitar on it. It's a lounge. It's a jazz lounge version. So this takes away the initial thought I had where my initial thing was like, hey, why didn't they put Big Shot on there? The cover yes. of Billy Joel's Big Shot, that crazy hardcore punk version of Big Shot would make sense on this record because initially i was like oh maybe they didn't want to pay the rights for it i'm sitting there going wait a second light my fire is also a cover you tell me that thing is more or less expensive than big shot by billy joel would be equal if i had to think about it especially considering light my fire is a big hit big shot is a is a medium hit and i and that's my favorite billy joel song at least top five so that should be on there that should be on there i mean even that live version if that's the only one they can use do it and Just Billy's, do it. Billy's a New Yorker. Beast Boys, New Yorkers. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't know what the deal is on that. Good point. But that's what that's what if I'm armchair booking here, that's I think that's the obvious thing right there to, is to do that. And you know, not for nothing, it's such a short record. If you want to add on to that even further, let's just put everything on one side, and maybe as a little bonus or bonesky. Uh, maybe take either studio or live versions of the hardcore songs from that era. Check your head, ill communication and make like a best of, of the hardcore jams and put that on the B side. You know, that's, so. that's, that's something I didn't even think of either. And that's, that's a really good point. I, I would love to see them combine like all of their hardcore stuff onto one release someday. That, that would yeah. Be great. yeah. So I, I, I feel like that was a bit of a missed opportunity. Uh, or so, they, they could be saving it for a future record store day, you know? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they we'll did see, it with but, this, right? So. Yeah, maybe they'll do that. And then, like I said, maybe it'll be studio on one side. Those, I think most of those songs they did do live. I've, I've even seen them do some of those songs live. And I saw them on TV shows. Like they played a Heart Attack Man on SNL, I'm thinking. Mm. You know, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, there's they definitely played those live here and there at some point. So, Yeah. Well, I looked it up really quick, and it's, it's this is only 11 minutes without the bonus track. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's like 14-minute record. Yeah, seven yeah. minutes on each side. Probably should have been a 45-speed then, yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway. it's, it but sounds hey, great. It, this, this, it, it does. It definitely does. lived yeah. up to my expectations. You know, I, I, we were both waiting for this for a while, and the vinyl sells, for sure, as far as the sound quality. I just want to mention, too, that this was limited to 11,000 copies. And again, it's on clear vinyl. So I just wanted to mention that. With 11,000 out there, if you are a big, huge fan of this record, it's it's a niche favorite. So you should have no problem getting a hold of one. And I think even right as of right now, as of this recording, if you want it, you should be able to get it without getting upcharged so much. So go get it if you want it. Like, yeah, But you have to be a fan for sure. So now, the uh, all-important question in terms of this show and showcasing the vinyl. What song do you want to play from this? I know which one I want to play. I'm interested to see what you want to play. Um, hmm. yeah, I, my pick is uh, Soap of Violence. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, it's funny. You picked the last song on side A, and I picked, well, excluding Light My Fire being the bonus track, the song right before it is one of my favorites that I want some. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't we just fucking play them both? <laughs> Gee, do we have time? God. I don't know. <laughs> it could be a little long. It could run a little long. 
People yeah. might get All bored. Right. They might want to move on to the next track or the next podcast, but we don't want that to happen. Let's but see if no. we can keep their attention. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's play both. Let's play sober violence and I want some. Mm-hmm. Sound good? Yeah. The the and by the way, the guitar solo from the original Light My Fire takes longer than those two songs. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Good good point once again. All right. So we've uh, wrapped up our discussion here on the Beastie Boys, Aglio e Olio. Let's move on. To, in Stereo. Stereo, yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> and let's move on to my second pick. This is one I know that uh, Joey did not purchase. However, I did, so it is an interesting one. It is the Cro-Mags, their 1986 album, Age of Quarrel, and the hype sticker. To be fair, I, only, I didn't purchase it because they didn't want me to, so I didn't want to make them mad. <laughs> Okay, now, for, for people who are not aware exactly what Joe was talking about, I was going to get into that, but we'll, 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 get, we'll get into it now. And uh, I'll just mention the band members here, most notably Harley Flanagan, John Joseph. They've been in, I guess, an ongoing, never-ending dispute with their old record label, Rock Hotel Records and Profile Records. And, you know, I don't, I don't claim to know everything about what's gone on between the band and the label. I just know that there's been this ongoing dispute. And when this record appeared on the Record Store Day list back in April, I know I sent Joey a text that I was fucking shocked as hell because I had no clue. I didn't hear anything about any kind of negotiations or anything. This just appeared on the list and I'm like, Wow, really? Uh, you know, there's been so you know problems between the band and the label for so long. I'm amazed that this is on the list. And I, you know, I told Joey right away that's definitely going to be one of my picks that I wanted to get. So, a couple months later, just before the June 12th record store day, like about probably around a week before, I see an article appear on my Facebook feed, and it says uh, Chromax Age of Quarrel to be pulled from record store day list. And sure enough, I went and checked the record store day list, and it was gone. So they, they, the article just basically said that it was being pulled because of the ongoing dispute between the former band members and the record label. So I shouldn't say former band members because um, Harley is still out there with his version of the Chromags and John Joseph is, is doing his own band with, with Blood Clot. So. Okay. At least they're not, uh, you know, ratting it, you know, or... Uh... <laughs> Or what what have you, LA gunsing it. <laughs> At least there's oh. not two is there two Chromags? Oh, that, that went on for a while, I think. Oh, okay. Oof. Yeah. I, th- I think there was there was a point where there were two different versions of the Chromags and I think I think they had to go into court to you know, to settle who gets the name and who gets to use the name. So but again, to any people watching that, you know, are the hardcore aficionados. I may not know everything about this, so I'm not even claiming to be an expert on what has gone on with this band and their record company and between each other with the infighting. But we're here to talk about the record, right? Yeah, it's like, how's the record? Yeah. (laughs) But I had to go into the stuff behind it because technically this wasn't even supposed to come out. And after June 12th, there were some articles going around that some copies made it to Canada for Record Store Day on June 12th. So copies got out and out of curiosity, when I went to purchase my picks from Good Records, I just said, hey, you know, if you guys get this Chromax record, let me know. I'd like to purchase one. 
You actually Fair drove enough. to Can. You actually drove to Canada and uh, stood in line. <laughs> they're very nice and accommodating because they're good people out there. Yeah, yeah, sure. What's, like your, what, what's your purpose for visit? I am here to buy a Chromags record. <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out, Good Records got more than a handful of copies, and uh, here we are now. That's I why copy in my hand. That's why Good Records is the best. I recommend them if uh, if you're out there record shopping in the cyber world. GoodRecordsToGo.com. And uh, if you're in the Dallas, Texas area, go look them up and tell them that the I Am Vinyl podcast sent you. Absolutely. We get no money by saying that. It's just, uh, you know, they're fans and they make sure that they get things like this in here. Look at that. That's beautiful. Yeah, that. So the hype sticker. I want to go bowling now. Look at that thing. Yeah, let's oh. go bowling. The hype sticker, it says red, black, splatter vinyl, 180 gram. It's got its custom label there, which is really nice. Mushroom and clad. Um, audio quality. As a fan of the record and someone who wanted this on vinyl for a really, really long time, wow, did this thing deliver as far as the mastering and how it was, how it was pressed. Just really, really great. Great. And it's, this is, uh, I will admit, this is one of those bands I have heard the name for I don't even know how long, at least 30 years I've heard this name. Yeah. And I, I've never never gone in. It's just one of those things. It's like a movie that you intend to watch and then you just keep forgetting. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to, I think I'm going to finally bite the bullet and listen to this damn record. No. But, but let's, let's say it was coming out soon and you had your own radio station and you wanted to get me enticed as someone who needed that extra push to listen to the record. What's a good one that you would play. So, I understand that you're a hardcore fan of this hardcore band in a hardcore world, but let's say you had a radio station. Okay. What, what's your seller? Like what's, what's the one that it's like, even if it's basic to fans, it may not be to someone like me. Okay. What do you play? I like that angle. I like that angle because I was, you know, I was thinking of, you know, preferred some favorites, but yeah, I'll go that route. I like that. Well, you like me, watched Headbangers Ball every week, most of the time, I may think. So yes. there, were, there were points where they had the Frantic Fringe. Do you remember the Frantic Fringe set? Oh, yeah. L- looked forward to it because that's where you first started to see videos by Primus and Infectious Grooves and Mind Funk, if I can go a little deeper. Yeah. Nine Inch, Nine Inch Nails, Fishbone. And hardcore bands. I mean, yeah, and hardcore bands. Front, they played Agnostic Ma- Front. Madball. I still remember, or I think it was Madball, Madhouse, all of those mad bands. Like you're thinking of Madball. I am thinking of Madball. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Madball. They, they probably played Madball in like '94, '95 during yeah. the last days of the show. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. There, yeah. Continue. There was there was a frantic fringe segment where they they dug in their archives and they pulled out the video that was made and released from this record so okay it's pretty simple you know we just go with the the opening track go with we gotta know you probably you might have even heard it already like i said i i I might i probably did if you've seen the video then you've you've at least heard it once so we'll go with we gotta know on the chromags the age of quarrel and i just want to mention that before it was pulled off fitting name by the way age of quarrel What's that? With all, the, with all the dispute and everything, it's a fitting name, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because 
you know, one of the songs I was going to suggest is uh, the last track on the album, Sign of the Times. Fucking great song, but also, you know, these are the signs of the times is, you know, part of the song. Yeah. I mean, really, we're, we're living in it right now, Age of Quarrel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and we're not going to get political. We're just merely mentioning it. So. I was just talking about the band fighting with each other at that oh, point. Yeah. After a but yeah, we're also in that too, for sure. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Can't avoid it. That's that's the reality we're yeah. in right now. But yeah. I just wanted to mention that before this was taken off the list officially, it was listed as limited to three thousand six hundred copies. So okay. it seems like a lot of them did get out there. You know, if you look in secondary market, there is there's a lot of copies available. So if you're a fan of the band and you were really looking for this one, definitely suggest nope. it. Just don't don't get ripped off too badly. Yeah. Once again, you have no excuse. There there should be plenty of copies out there still. Uh, you know. Maybe as of this recording, not so much, but they may not be shooting through the moon just yet. Like yeah. there's probably a few stores that are down to their last copy or two. Mm -hmm. And if you can run into a cool store, you know, like a good records for instance, but there's others. Yeah, sure. But they, they probably will actually sell it to you at sticker, which is you, you always know yeah. who the cool stores are when they do that anyway. So one last thing I want to say before we move on from the Promag's age of quarrel as I know the band is obviously in dispute still with the record label, Rock Hotel and Profile. And I'm sure they're not too thrilled that a lot of people like me and others uh, have purchased these copies. They did try to get it completely removed. They got it removed from the record store day list. However, stores did receive copies. But one thing I'll say is original copies from 86, if you find them anywhere and if they're even in great condition, you know, they go for a lot of money. So, just saying, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, when it was available, it's just impossible to pass up. It's one of the greatest hardcore records of all time. And I've wanted to own it on vinyl for a long time. So that's just one last thing I wanted to say about Chromag's Age of Quarrel. Well, I hope they get their stuff settled, you know. Yeah, and, me too. Uh, I guess if they ever get on the same page and get out the version they want, maybe they'll make it worth your while to rebuy it, which I know all of you oh, will. Too, maybe throw yeah. some bonus on there, you know. And that's, that's one thing I was going to say, too, is, you know, if, if they put it out again, uh, you know, I'll, I'll buy another copy. You know, I have no problem buy another copy if they add some extra stuff or if they don't. If maybe it's a different color, let's say, you know, I would definitely support the, I would definitely support the band. You know, I want these guys to, to make the money that's due to them that they feel is due to them. You know? So you would you would buy it if they even if they re-recorded it. <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, I, I've purchased the, the Sick of It All record that they did nonstop where they did a bunch of re-records, and it's great, you know? Look. Yeah, I like Still bands, Hungry. A lot of bands do re-records to a good degree of success, and some don't do it so, so much yeah. to a good degree of yeah. success. But, yeah, I mean, if, if the band were to, you know, settle their own personal differences and they decided to re-record the record, I would surely buy it. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, I was just curious to see how far you'd take it. I, uh... I'm always curious about those things. That that lets me know where someone's at in a fandom. All right, so why don't we get into our first music segment here? I'm gonna go back and get this bad boy here from Beastie Boys and play Soba Violence, Joey's yeah. pick. We're gonna do our own frantic fringe. It's a triple threat. Yeah, there we go. Good yeah. call. So Soba yeah. Violence, and I want some from the Beastie Boys, Aglio e Olio, to be immediately followed by the lead track from the Cro-Mags, The Age of Quarrel, We Gotta Know. <laughs> 
That was some good shit from the Beastie Boys, from Aglio e Olio, with Soba Violence, and I Want Some, followed by the Cro-Mags, from the Age of Quarrel, with the opening track, We Gotta Know. And let's move on now to my next pick, which I also believe Joey did purchase as well. This was a record that I actually held off on purchasing for a while, and I'm glad I waited, because this edition is fucking incredible, just as far as how it looks, how it sounds, everything. I'm talking about Fear's debut, Fear the Record, and this one is pressed on multicolored vinyl, white translucent vinyl with gray, and it also comes with 7-inch, red vinyl 7-inch, and a stencil band logo. Right yeah, here. so... So we can hopefully start seeing them fear logos pop up in a lot of places around town. Yeah. That'd be nice. And this one is limited to 3,500 copies. So let me get the vinyl out here to show you. Oh, by the way, the cover, all that stuff, Jacket, it's in a very non-punk slick. It feels so good in the hand, by the way. Let's just yeah. mention that. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, they... Uh, they did an excellent job on this one. The, the pressing itself sounds incredible. I never, I've never heard the record sound this good. I have had it in my digital library for a very long time, but I have never heard it on vinyl. I don't, I don't own the CD. I was sick but, of trying to look for one in the wild. It was just, it was basically impossible. And if you found one, it was just garbaged up. And I totally yeah, get that. That was, that was my deal too. Like I would find like the old Rhino pressing from probably like yeah. 2010 or so and it was always like damaged and fucked up so yeah. the christmas seven inch no it uh, was the record not damaged yeah <laughs> so we have the unclean side of fuck christmas <laughs> and the clean side of beep christmas yeah that's that's clearly a joke <laughs> yes, yes i mean i guess they send it out to like college stations i mean why not i mean you never know so. yeah well, it's, it's, it's really short. It's like, probably yeah. like 45 seconds. It's really, really short. Another thing that I just uh, wanted to mention real quick, this is um, one of the Record Store Day exclusives because I guess not all of them usually get that sticker, but that's just another note there. As far as tracks, I don't know about you, but what would you, would you want to play from this one? Well, I mean, this is this is a great album. I mean, this definitely goes if I, if I'm putting together like a top 50 or top 100 list, this one's going on there. It's so cool and I remember going to see Megadeth in concert and this was about 3 weeks or so after 9/11 and I know they're doing like World Needs a Hero and I saw them like at a club actually in Dallas. And cuz you know, they had kind of fallen off a little bit, you know, so and they were on Sanctuary, so they're playing clubs and you know, whatever. Right. Anyway, so I just remember distinctly, like, uh, they played the whole record of the record over the PA before they came out. Like, oh. so that was, like, the warm-up. And I know Dave's a big fan. Of course, the MD-45 thing, got to put in a mention for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, both versions. Both versions are great. They're different experiences. But, like, if you want the leaving experience, get the original version of MD-45, The Craving, which that would be a killer record store day release two actually it'd probably have to be a four album set both vocal mixes 
I would buy that shit. Or I would buy two different, you know, albums. You could have people choose if they want to. But one with the Lee vocals and one with the Dave vocals. That would be tremendous. There's an RSD waiting to happen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so I love this whole album. It's in that case it's hard for me to pick a track. I always think of the Saturday Night Live appearance, the infamous Saturday Night Live appearance where they basically play a medley of songs off of here. So they play like Beef Baloney and New York's Alright if you like saxophones. I mean, uh, Megadeth covered Foreign Policy on their last album. So there's a lot of places to go there. So uh, Pete, out of those three, make one of those my picks and then you pick your own song. I, I mean, also I could go, I don't care about you. I love living in the city. This thing is a damn right. stone cold so, classic. Yeah, this is a, I, I'm, I'm listening to this the first time and I, I was having trouble even, you know, cause you can go with the ones that are the typically known tracks. First fear song I ever heard was let's have a war because of the repo man soundtrack. My, yeah, there you one go. of my all time favorite soundtracks. So I, I always have, um, you know, something as, as far as nostalgia with that song being the first one I ever heard from them. Tell you what, I'll pick an obvious one. You pick a deep one. So I'll pick, I love living in the city. What do you I, got? That was, and that was like one of my other picks. Cause I would even go back with, I love living in the city simply for the fact that it's on SOB live at Budapest. Oh, oh yeah. Live yeah. That's Ritz. right. That's right. That's a, that's, that's a good, that's yeah, a good idea. Head. <laughs> yeah. You fucking rabbit head. <laughs> What you got, man? Well, I, I, I could go with I Love Living in the City. Uh, I could go with New York is All Right if you like saxophones. I mean, it's like I said, it's, this is a really tough one to choose, you know, like one singular track to represent the record. Yeah. But. Go go with New York. Let's do city. Let, let, let's make it a theme. <laughs> so you want to do it with New York? New York is All Right yeah. if you like saxophones? Yeah, because it's so yeah. on the nose. It makes me think of that scene in Night Shift where... Henry Winkler gets accosted by that guy with a saxophone on the subway, and he starts writing him a check. It's just so go away. <laughs> All right. Then we have it. We're going to play from Fear the Record in our next music segment. New York is all right if you like saxophones. All right. All right let's move on to the next record in my picks here. And, I, and this one I know the both of us did buy. And it's another F band only slightly different genre, I guess you would say, only this one is a unique release we have here, the, the Mylar cover. This is the Foo Fighters with Hail Satin, the A-side of Bee Gees covers, as you see here, the, the front cover. And, 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 and one Andy Gibb cover too, by the way. I guess, that's right. We got the Shadow Dancing on here, Andy yeah. Gibb song. And the B-side is some... I guess more recent live versions of some yeah. tracks from the new album Medicine Midnight, yes. which yes, which I will get into as far as what my feelings are on on those. But this one is limited to twelve thousand copies, and as I mentioned, it does have this nice rainbow mylar sleeve. So yeah, what are your yeah. thoughts on, what are your thoughts on this one, Joey? As far as uh, how they decided to go half and half with half BGs, Andy Gibb. Half Foo Fighters. Uh, so yeah, my whole experience with this, I was I was volunteering at the store that day, and man, like all the Fairweathers came out for this one. Uh, all the tourists came out, like like it was the thing, and you know, it kind of like for for 
you know, me myself, I frequent a record store quite a bit. I'm like, you, I haven't seen you all year. You know, it, it turns into that. That's what record store day turns into. But man, there was definitely, I mean, there was a huge ass buzz on this thing. You said 12,000. It felt like it was limited to 2000. I mean, this thing is the hottest thing out there right now. The vultures are having a field day charging 500 bucks a head for this. Thing. Yeah. It's, and, it's pretty, it's pretty goddamn disgusting. Yeah, and, and and honestly, like the content itself, I think it's fun. You know, the covers are fun, and the live tracks are good. But it, it's so spot on, like it, I almost can't tell the difference between the live tracks and the album. Because I, you know, I realize they're recorded on a soundstage live. They're rehearsing for a tour. Blah blah blah. Yeah. That being said, I love the Foo Fighters. I don't have a problem with this release, uh, and. But yeah, I guess it was probably a little misleading to people that it got marketed to. They probably were expecting a whole album of the covers and they didn't get it. So I'm sure there were some salty people out there for it. Uh, I think because the demand is so high for this still, I really honestly, I'm going to say not totally go against the limited appeal of Record Store Day, but what they should do is they should re-release this thing. But the way to do it, I think, is to part down to just the A side as an EP, maybe 45 speed, uh, and take the Mylar off of the cover. Hey, there's my cat. Uh, look at that shit. Um, yes, take the uh, you know take take the cool cover off, and you know make it a little more basic, stuff like that, and then put it in stores. You know, charge 10 bucks a head on it, 12, whatever you want to do. I don't think EP should ever be more than 10, even, you know, but, you know, just do that. I, I think obviously the demand is there and sure. it doesn't need to just be a release just for that one day. I know they tried to make it up by releasing it digitally after a few days because there was a big, there was a big backlash on them because what happened was the album sold out. People were pissed they didn't get it. And then they start selling merch like within 24 hours, like shirts and everything. They got you, shit on so hard for that. Do you realize that I have it in the background of my screen here? I was going to kind of make a joke about that. So I'm really glad you brought that oh, up. Nice. Yeah. And so they were like, you know what the actual piece of merch we want? The freaking album. Yeah. We don't want a fucking, you know, ashtray. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, that's neat. It, even if you don't smoke, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was not handled well, but it, it shouldn't have been a record store day release. Yeah. Uh, Maybe they should have gone with a uh, seven inch, one song each, and then make it a proper release. If you want to keep it to the, you know, cover side and live side, and then put that out, and then that should be just the thing in stores right now. Yeah. Uh, so that's my opinion on it because it turns into like that's where people start to see the perception now is like, oh, this is a terrible day. Yeah. And we don't. You know, people, store owners don't want it to be a terrible day or a disappointing day for you. People don't get a joy out of, you know, shutting people out on titles. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate, but, you know, it's, and th that also comes down to the non-education of record stores in general and what Record Store Day is all about and all that stuff. And I can get into the whole thing, but I'm not going to because I don't have time. But, yeah, I'm fine with the release. The music itself is fine. It's fun. I'll probably put the A side on a lot and I'll probably spin the B occasionally mm -hmm. uh, because I'm still processing, uh, you know, Medicine at Midnight, which is a, a, quite a good record. So, you know, that that's going to be my thing with it. So, and uh, yeah, I was having that like, 
you know, in the back of your mind, oh, I should have bought two. I could really bank on this. But at the same time, I don't want to be part of that problem. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I could live with myself. And I, I really do mean that because I, I have access to these records and I could have bought an extra one. Uh, but, you know, some things are more important than money. I'd rather somebody have it that wants it, you know. And that's the thing I, I, I do want to say because you know, it, it's easy for us to sit here. We have copies and, you know, people that might be watching that, didn't, that were shut out. Trust me when I say, you know, I feel bad. You know, I see like some of my friends that they get shut out and they get really, really pissed and they see these auctions. I feel bad, you know, I, I really do generally feel bad because if I were in their position and, and I got shut out on titles plenty of times, you know, that I had to get later on Discogs, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. So I, I totally get it. You know, I, I, I was saying to you, you know, even off this show, I was saying, you know, I think they should release this worldwide too, you know, and, ditch the, the the mylar cover and give it give it like a wide release because obviously you know there was real significant demand for it so i'm with you in in hoping that they do that so that you know anyone else who wasn't able to get this can get it but honestly if they put the mylar cover and, and they did the same thing like i said to you I, I really wouldn't be mad because i think fans should have it for sure now you know my my, my other question as far as what you were saying about you know this was the hot item of the day I also have to wonder how many of those fans were really fans and they weren't just, you know, the other F, which is fucking flippers. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the only thing I could really speak to as far yeah. as I'm concerned. I would really, I really want any fan to be able to get this. That's a true yeah. fan of the Foo Fighters that has everything, sure. wants everything. Yeah. And I'm oh. just glad because the, the place that I help out at over good records from time to time, they do the one item per person. So yeah. we don't, we, I'm pretty good. I feel like at this point I've been working music retail a long time. I could tell a flipper nine out of 10 times probably. Yeah. So we got, a, I think we did get a lot of normal people and these, these were like moms and, you know, I just don't think that they were flippers. So I, we got, I got lucky in that sense that I was talking to real fans. I will say the po the positive part about it is the guy that bought the last physical copy at the store, he was so happy that he got it. He did, uh, you ever seen Boogie Nights? Uh, the first time Dirk Diggler wins his best acting award, he does that karate kick in the air in the shadow. Sure, yeah. He freaking did that. He basically did a version of that right next to me, like, over the aisle, like, bam! And he was just like, yeah! You know, and I was like, that's a fan. That's not an eBay guy. Like, I love yeah. that shit. Like, that made my day. Like, that, you know, that and the soccer hooligan guy that buys all the ska, like, that's, that's cool. the kind of shit you look forward to. Like, yeah. it's that's like, a real, oh, man. That's a real fans that should get. Yeah, yeah, that that freaking made my day. I hope I see that guy again. I, I love that stuff. So anyway, that's cool. That, that's that's cool. all. Well, all right. So let's let's break this down really quick so we can get to our next music segment as far as the, the tracks because they don't they don't list the tracks on the on the cover. The Bee Gees covers on the A side and the Andy Gibb cover. You have you should be dancing, and that's I believe that's the one that's out right now as far as a video, right? It's the only yes. one they put out so far. And you have mm -hmm. Night Fever, Tragedy, Shadow Dancing, and More Than a Woman. So that that is the A side, and the B side, as we alluded to, are now you said they're they're rehearsals. They are that's from, from a soundstage of them rehearsing for the uh, Medicine Midnight tour. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's what that is. Yeah, I was I, I figured it was like some kind of thing they did remote. And, um, you know, they, they, yeah. they just captured the audio from, from what I yeah. can tell. So the B-side has five songs from the current album, Medicine at Midnight. 
making a fire, shame, shame, waiting on a war, no son of mine, and cloud spotter. You know, in my opinion, the, the life tracks, they're very solid. But I do agree, it's kind of not what you came here for. You know, you came here for the, the Bee Gees covers, really, because that's yeah. kind of like the main focus. It is the front of the album cover. So, yeah, I, I, I could see, you know, some people were. I, I did see some people express a little disappointment that the B-side is just, you know, medicine and midnight stuff uh, sort of reimagined or, you know, slightly different, not not completely or totally different versions because you know the, the live versions are very good they're very you know yeah. tight so i could see why some some people were disappointed as far as that was concerned and maybe they didn't just do like a full-fledged bg's cover album but having said that joey uh what would be a track that you would want to play from here and i'm i'm assuming both of us are going to go with something from the a side right sure yeah yeah, and this is easy for me because it's one of my favorite BG songs. And as luck would have it, I found out years later, uh, even though I, you, you ever do that thing where you look up the song that was the number one song in the world when you were born? So yes. in America, I didn't get a good pick for my taste. Is I Will Survive. I was born March 13th, 1979. So not a fan of that song. But over in the UK... It was tragedy. So oh, okay. I, I am going to take ownership of tragedy being the number one song the week I was born. So All right. going with that. On that note, let's get into our next music segment here as we are going to play New York is All Right If You Like Saxophones from Fear, the record, followed by something completely different. Tragedy! <laughs> nice. From the Foo Fighters, Hail Satin, the Bee Gees, A Side. All right.
Okay, we're back. That was Fear from the Record with New York is Alright. If you like saxophones, followed by the DGs, aka the Foo Fighters, with their cover from their half Bee Gees covers, half live Foo Fighters record with their cover of the Bee Gees Tragedy. So coming up next, we have a couple of releases from some uh, notable old punk rock bands. And I'm gonna start with the first one here. And I know it's one that we both picked up. I've been picking up any of the Clash, some of the Clash Joe Strummer stuff over the years that have come out on Record Store Day. So this was no exception. I wanted to get this one. Oh yeah, definitely wanted to make a point. Yeah, if music could talk. And this is a two record set that was originally made to promote the release of Sandinista, which we talked about not too long ago for an episode for the 40th anniversary. And this includes 10 album tracks remastered and it's limited to 3,600 copies. So it is basically an interview and music promotional set. So each side Uh, is voted to each band member. So side one is Paul Simonone. Side two is for Mick Jones. Side three is for Joe Strummer. And side four is for Topper Heaton. So, yeah. And it's, it's really neat. Like I wasn't aware of this album's existence. I've never seen it out. I've never seen it out and about. They must have very few copies of it uh, out there from originally, probably just the ones they made to send to radio stations. So as, as the cool little jazz classic jazz album write up goes, cause that's what it looks like on the back. And that's really neat too. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy jazz, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically like CBS Sony didn't know what to do with this album when it came out. Cause there's no, there's not one song that they thought that they could play on the radio and the genres are all over the place. So they basically just made this to get attention put on it. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know if it was going to really help so much, but yeah, uh, it's not that. And, and the other thing is I, and I love Sinanisa. We've talked about this, but it's not like that the band was like, I felt like they were just doing a regular interview on here. Like, I don't yeah. think they were in salesmanship mode. I don't think that was ever in their, you know, brain to do that. So it just kind of comes off like a regular radio interview. Uh, I, I'm glad it exists and it's a great piece of history for a fan. Uh, I would buy more things like this cause I love these kind of like radio show promo things. Yeah. Uh, I actually came into possession of a gaggle of these things uh, from like a, really sweet spot of classic rock radio, like some cars conversations, some Tom Petty stuff. So I'm kind of just going through them all now. So I'm like really in the mode to listen to something like this, but yeah, this is definitely a record store day. This is kind of what it's all about. Hardcore fans only because not only do you have to be a hardcore fan of the clash to want this, you also, and I know some people that aren't supposedly fans of the clash that aren't fans of Sandinista. So yeah. You really do have to be a fan of Sandinista to fully appreciate this, of course, because you already probably have the record. Yeah. So you're going to just want the conversations to go along with it. So I definitely agree with you. It's it's probably you know best for true fans because you know it's like it's ten tracks across two discs, but yeah, it's essentially an interview showcase. But uh, the interview segments are done with Cosmo Vinyl, who was very closely associated with the band. 
He's the voice you hear at the beginning of the Clash live at Shea Stadium. So there is that fact as far as, you know, for Clash fans that are very well aware of these things. Now, the interesting thing I found as far as the tracks that were chosen was all of the tracks were songs that we picked when we put our single album together for the 40th anniversary episode. So nice. It does present us with that little dilemma because we have played each of these songs on the show before. However, the interview segments have never been played. So I was going to say, I I got an idea if I may do something on the fly here. So I will say the disc that is not surprisingly the most uh, fascinating is Joe's. Joe is one of the main lyricists and songwriters, you know, the face of the band almost in a sense. Uh, and he actually goes into some detail about what some of these songs are about. Mm-hmm. And I really was, I really got brought into the talk up to the call up. Uh, and it really made that, I've always loved that song, but hearing him explain it, it's like watching a good documentary, hearing him explain the nature of the song and then hearing the song mm-hmm. really took that song to another level for me. I'll never listen to that song the same way again. But that's the way that Joe intended for me to hear the song. Uh, So never knew what it was about before, but now I do. And I guess I've just been ignorant to what he was saying in the lyrics. But yeah, that thing really blew me away. So if if I may, if we could at least get a little bit of that talk up, him explaining what the song's about. Yeah. And then go into that. That's definitely something I would pick for this representation, if you're cool with that. That's fine with me. I'll play the whole segment with with the track included. Because there is the fact that this does say that the tracks have been remastered. So, so yeah, that's something that's mentioned on the hype sticker. So yeah, well, let's, let's showcase one of the full tracks and we'll play the call up along with the interview portion. Now I, I want to mention the tracks that are actually picked to represent the album on this promotional release that was made at the time. So side a starts with Paul Simonone and the tracks represented on there our Junkle Partner, a track that we heard on the last episode via Joe Strummer Live, One More Time, and One More Dub. Then you have Side 2, which is the interview with Mick Jones, and the songs that are represented on his side are Hitsville UK and The Magnificent Seven. Then we get to Side 3 with Joe Strummer, and the songs represented there are Washington Bullets, The Call Up, as mentioned by Joey, and Police On My Back. And finally, on side four, the interview side with Topper Heaton, you get one of my favorite Clash tracks of all time, Ivan Meets G.I. Joe, followed by Somebody Got Murdered. That is how it breaks down. And so we have decided that we will play the call up from here, and that is on side three. So if you're ready to move on to the next record, I am ready to move on as well. All right, let's do it. All right. I'm excited to get this because it's from kind of the beginning of an era that people don't give it up for as much for this next band. Because oh. any, anything from 1980 and on kind of, you know, they kind of ignore it a little bit and it's unfortunate. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you, you know, because I know we've mentioned this before just in regular conversations, but why Rhino Records, Sire, whatever you want to, you know, whoever's involved as far as the decision making here is probably Rhino. But I don't know why it's, it's like they seem to stop at a certain era with this band. But we are talking about the Ramones. 
It's like it almost wouldn't be Record Store Day if, if there wasn't a Ramones release, right, Joey? Yeah, yeah. I'm just like taking it for granted at this point. But I like the direction it's going in. And maybe they'll just be like, you know what? Maybe we've exhausted the life thing for a minute and let's get into those other records finally. Let's do that. That would be yeah. nice. Yeah. So but that being said, this thing is this thing is hot. I love it. Great set. Yeah, I just want to uh, get into the, the details here. We're talking about Ramones, and the title of this record is called Triple J Live at the Wireless Capital Theater, Sydney, Australia, July 8th, 1980. So this, once again, is another Record Store Day exclusive, and it states on the hype label here, previously unreleased live show from the 1980 tour, 23 tracks, including rare live performances of songs from end of the century, and it's on 180 gram vinyl. This one is limited to 13,000 copies, and it's actually numbered on the back. It's probably a little tough to see, but there is my number there, and it is number 663 out of 13,000, so nice low number. I agree with you that there definitely should be more stuff represented from 1980 and on as far as the Ramones. And this is definitely a good place to start. Did you notice that in some tracks, Dee Dee's bass completely drops out? I think like <laughs> I think there's like a couple of tracks where he just completely is gone. Wow. Yeah. So uh, it's definitely rough. It's definitely a little rougher than some of the previous sure, releases. Sure. Yeah, it's a little thin at that point, but it's still a cool show and I really dig that set list, and I'm a fan of the End of the Century album, so just the fact that there's something from that tour makes me very happy. I'm easy to please when it comes to this kind of stuff, so Ramones, one of the most consistent live bands of all time, and you hear it on this record. You know, It's not a super long album, no. despite the amount of tracks, but that's the Ramones for you. you I, think it's like, I think it's like literally around 45 minutes. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. So 20 songs or something like that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's 23 songs. So I'm, I'm guessing they didn't edit any of the stuff out. Like they didn't take any songs out of the set because I was wondering, because I think they were doing Chinese rock at some points at this time. I could be wrong. Maybe later. I mean, I know they, they definitely added in later. They played it. That was like the second to last song they ever played live. There's a fun fact for you. Cause I just okay. played that version on my show this hmm. week. So, yeah. This is a hard, this is a tough one for me as far as choosing a track because I mean, <laughs> it's like every track is a winner, you know. So obviously, you know, some of the tracks you lose Dee, Dee a little bit. Back to back, let's at least find maybe find two that are like back to back with each other. Just find two good two in a rows. Well, that's a tough one, man, because I don't I don't I don't have it memorized like when something is back to back on here yet, you know. And it could be well, there could be any. Yeah, any yeah. But I, I, this is one thing I just wanted to mention. Joey Ramone, obviously, you know, he has a he had a unique vocal style, I would say, in some aspects. Yeah. When it came to him live, when the stuff started getting sped up a little bit more and, you know, he had to kind of compensate yeah. for some of that stuff. Yeah. To me, as a Ramones fan, that kind of leads to some of the, you know, more, I guess I would say comedic moments in my mind, because, like, I'm going to sure. mention an example. Surf and Bird. Oh, sure. It was like, bird, bird, bird's word, and a bird, 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 and a bird, bird, and a bird, bird's word, and bird, 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 bird. I'm just sitting there, like, in front of my turntable, like, you know, chuckling Yeah, and this is this is kind of where it does get so out of control. Like, hey, how many songs can we cram into the set? When I saw them at Lollapalooza 96, and I specifically remember them playing Rock and Roll High School, and it was rock, 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 yeah, yeah. Rock, yeah, rock, yeah, rock, yeah. rock, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like, but at the same time, he's trying. This isn't like a Vince Neil thing. 
uh, he's actually trying, and it really is just the speed of the thing that right. he can't. It's a, almost impossible to like get every word enunciated properly. So he's just doing what he can, doing his thing. So give me that ten times out of ten versus what you might see if you if you see Mr. Neal on stage. Uh, you know. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not and I'm not saying it as a negative thing. I, sure. I'm yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. funny. I just was yeah. here kind of like chuckling to myself, like, like you're just trying to picture Joey on the stage, you know, like, you know, with his usual, you know, delivery with the mic stand in his hand. Yeah. So that was like let, the song that stuck out to me. I might want to yeah. you know, suggest. Let's do that. that. Let, let, let's definitely do that. You've talked about it. Now I want to hear it again. And I think that one does segue into Crete and Hop. So we could probably yeah. pull up on that one. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. And you I'm just thinking of it in my head how they would, you know, they would, so I think that does happen. I'm down. I'm down with it. You can't. I mean, you literally can't go wrong. It's cliche, but it's true. So. And you know, let's let's just talk about something that I I didn't jot down on my little notes here, but this is just another great release that was produced by Ed Stasium once again. So he oversaw this one. The great Ed Stasium. As he's yes. done with uh, a lot of the prior releases for Record Store Day. Yeah. All right. Not n- not Richard Pryor. Not Richard Pryor. Oh, we'll get to Richard Pryor. Yeah. So, all right. I think that's a good time for us to go into our next music segment. I'm going to go into the uh, classic punk segment here with The Clash from this promotional interview and music set to promote Sandinista being reissued here for Record Store Day. So we're going to play... Joey's Choice here, a little discussion with Joe Strummer about the call-up, and that's going to be immediately followed up by the Ramones. The Ramones. With the Ramones. This is with Marky. Marky Ramone. I was in the Ramones. In the Ramones. So, you know, we mentioned Marky in the last episode. We're mentioning him again. So we hope we make Marky happy because he was in the Ramones. (laughs) Oh, you know, I just realized I didn't, uh, didn't show the record. So we're going to go into this music segment now. I'm going to play The Clash, followed by the Ramones from this record here. They threw the old classic Sire Records label on here. And we're going to play Surfing Bird into Cretan Hop. What about talking about the call-out? No, the call-out should be at the top of the charts. But... uh as Mick says, it's too doomy, so hopefully, you know, we can release it anyway. I mean, as a single. Right, you feel strongly about the uh, situation in America with regard to a uh, possible conscription, or you think it'll happen, or...? Well, I don't know. It's, it's not a matter of what I feel about it. It's what other people are going to do about it that matters. I mean, obviously, nobody wants to get conscripted. If you go to Belgium and talk to them there, you know, they'd have to do two years each before they're 18 or something. I mean, obviously, that isn't exactly everyone's idea of fun, is it? Especially if you're going to have to be sent somewhere like the British were to Korea in the early 50s or to fight the Mau Mau. You know, I wouldn't want to be conscripted and get sent to, say, Northern Ireland. So, uh, 
the feeling's obvious, really, but is anybody doing or saying anything about it? Is the question. Because it seems that everyone's hungry for war. It's up to you not to heed the call of. You must not act the way you were brought up. Who knows the reason why you have grown up? Who knows the plans and why they were drawn up? It's up to you.
are back, and that was The Clash with the call-up from If Music Could Talk, followed by The Ramones with Surfing Bird and Creighton Hop from Triple J Live at the Wireless Capitol Theater, Sydney, Australia, July 8th, 1980. It just and, rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know I made that joke already, but man, uh, we went from It's Alive and Loco Live. We're out of here. Triple J live at the something something and the something something in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Maybe the next record store they released will go a little easy on the title for us. Yeah. Oh. All right. Let's uh, move on to my last two picks, which I know you also purchased. And we briefly mentioned these at the end of the last episode that they were on the top of our priority lists. So we are talking about King's X, and this one here is their first record following their departure from Atlantic Records when they had signed with Metal Blade, and it's Tapehead from 1998, and as it says on the hype label here, it's first time on vinyl, exclusive numbered edition on Pink Wax, and I have, uh, can't really see it, but it's up there, I have number 194 of 2,500 copies. And the vinyl here really quick, show that before we move on to the next King's X record. And that's what the vinyl looks like. For the YouTubers at home, the reason I'm not showing my records, I did get these records, but I off camera, my hands are like a Benihana chef. I'm keeping the cats <laughs> at bay. But I did, I do have these as well. I just don't, I don't have my numbers. I don't know your numbers. I don't know your numbers. Okay. Anyway. I'm here, I'm here to, to display the vinyl for us. Thank you. Thank you so much. I got some vinyl to show you later, so. Okay. The next one that was released on July 17th, it's their third album that they released on Metal Blade Records. And it was originally released in 2001. This also, it says on the hype sticker, first time on vinyl, exclusive numbered edition on neon orange wax. And this one is number 2,400 out of 2,500. Ooh. And these are not pressed by Metal Blade. It looks like we have a different record company. And it's the first I'm ever hearing of this Zvart yeah. records. Yeah. I guess they got the rights to uh, Bulbous also. So, uh, Looks like they're coming up in the vinyl game and a good way to do it with a, a band that's got a good cult following like King's X. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, keep an eye on those guys. Yeah, Shop sure. smart. Shop Svart. <laughs> I got, I'm, such a, I'm such a stereotypical podcaster. I, I have cats. I think I'm funny. Well, yeah, we all, we all think we're comedians yeah. in some way, you know? Oh, yeah. We're just listen, we're just trying to... Hey! hey. I'll tell you, you know, we're, just, hey. we're, just, we're just trying to entertain not only ourselves, but, you know, we're, we're trying to entertain those that decide to tune in here. So, you know... Oh, sure. Yeah, no, I'm just... A little nerd, yeah, a little comedy. It, it's all good, I say, Joey. Yeah, yeah, hey, hey. But, yeah, no, uh, I, I kid about... I was talking about how bad the... Uh, off air, I was talking about like, well, the only reason they didn't press the other one is because it's such a terrible title, and maybe they'll just redo the whole imaging and the album title. And I, please, you hear an album called "Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous," and you're just like, well, you know, that that's how I 
you know, I like the record actually. I think it's good. I, I think I do like it better than Manic Moonlight overall. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's like you know the guy with the bulb head, and it's just like, what is this? You know, but yeah. it's it almost it almost. Uh, I was saying they called their shot. Eventually, they're going to be on Inside Out Records, and look look what happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is. Well, I, I think you know it's it's also something to do. You know, yeah, we we joke around about the album cover art because I do admit, like when I saw that album cover too, it was kind of like. You know, they went from those years being on Atlantic and, you know, they had the elaborate cover art and stuff like that, I I think is, you know, um, safe to say, right? Yeah, and And, not that Ear Candy is a great album cover, but I could see it on a shirt. Like, I'm not, I don't think, I don't think I'm buying a Mr. Bulbous shirt unless you get really creative with it and do something different with it. And and I do remember when this came out, it was also sort of like, this kind of a, a weird album cover, you know, it's a guy yeah. with a whole bunch of tape on his head, you know, coming sure. off of uh, ear candy. And again, but it, at least I got the, I almost got the idea that that could be Doug or it is Doug, you know? So like I, I responded to that yeah. cover pretty well. I think it, I don't think it's too bad. It's abstract of course, but it, I, like I think it works for the material. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I like it more now than I did back then. I'll say that. At least uh, it looks like another thing I'll say about this company. Those don't look like too bad of scans. No. As far as like if they went from the CD, looks like they actually did their homework on some of these terrible labels that are, or I don't want to say terrible labels. I'll say people that aren't able to get the proper imaging for vinyl, mm-hmm. uh, stretch those images and like some of those Alice Cooper ones and some of the other things that we've been seeing here and there, the anthrax ones. It's like, these actually look pretty good. Like if, yeah. if those are scans are pretty good and, um, you know, I love the look of the layout, so I look forward to seeing anything else this label might put out. Yeah. So that be, yeah. and I'm sure Bulbous is on the way once again. Yeah. Maybe we'll get some other stuff from that era. Maybe maybe the live album will come back from that era. Okay. I'd buy that. Yeah. Live or live around the world, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Great, great mm-hmm. set. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Record store day. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. So we yeah we we had said that um, we would probably anticipate. Uh, please come home, Mr. Bulbous will probably come out maybe a future record store day or even beyond that, or maybe outside a record store day. Sure. Yeah. And, um, but these, by the way, I I do want to put in another word for, um, my friend, Chris out of good records, plenty of copies left of those two. He went real hard on it because, you know, it's a Texas store Kings X, you know, but it's still, it, it didn't, it didn't sell out the first day. Let's just say, and not for nothing. But if you're interested in this, you should go get it from them because they got them. <laughs> so I, I even had to, I had to tell people on the King's X fan pages that too. I was just like, everybody's like, I missed out on it. I'm like, you're either full of shit and you didn't really try to get it or you didn't work that hard at it. So here's your link. Go buy it. <laughs> it's out there. <laughs> Google search would, would yeah. keep up the good records result, no? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'd be one of the top choices to do. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah, no, there's plenty of copies for hardcore fans. Like, go get it. It's fine. <laughs> Atlantic stuff's still happening. Their stuff is, I, I'm seeing their stuff out and about in more stores, this stuff and the Atlantic stuff. So it's nice. It's a good time to start collecting vinyl for King's X. I will say that if you've hesitated before, do it now. And then eventually all the rest of the 15 studio albums will come out. So, Well, you, you know. heard it here. If you're looking for it, good records. There you go. Where to go? That I was gonna say, you know, 
these were top priority for me because of the fact that those Atlantic reissues, those great Atlantic reissues came out on, on Metal Blade. So these were definitely top priority to, to keep up with anything that's coming out by King's Exxon vinyl. And yeah. if, you, if you're a fan that's been looking forward to these and you're wondering, well, how do they sound? How does this Zvart Records do as far as um, the vinyl quality? Vinyl quality is great on both of these. I definitely had no issues with them. I think uh, the quality will show in, in the vinyl transfers. The only difference, obviously, is sonically the production in each recording. So I, I will say that Tapehead definitely edges out Manic Moonlight. Album quality and production quality. So you're going to notice a, a, a bit of a difference when, when you hear the tracks that you and I have chosen to, to play yeah. from these. That, so That's a fair assessment for sure. And I think most fans would agree. I think I even heard maybe that some of the band members might agree as well, but Make Moonlight is still fine. It, it's, it's a little muddy and it's a little down. Uh, but then again, what wasn't about 2001? That's true. That's <laughs> definitely something to consider, you know, considering where we were at that point in time. The songs we've chosen, pretty simple. We're just going to go with album openers for each record. So, And they're good at that. They always have Yeah. Been. Well, the, the first one, I, I definitely can say I have a sort of a personal connection to the first track that we're going to play. And that first track is Groove Machine, the opening track from Tapehead. Very first time I got to see King's X was on July 14th, 2017, here in New York City at City Winery. And the opening track that they played, it was Groove Machine. So the very first song that I got to hear King's X play live was Groove Machine. So that's going to be track number one. Mine was Dog Man. I just want to mention that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. There was like such a, so little like build up to it. It was almost like a really quiet count off and they just bam dropped on it. Uh, it's anyway, funny there you go. because yeah. I, the, the two tracks that I, that I recorded on video from the show were the opening track. So I have Groove Machine and the other one happened to be Dog Man. And Dog Man was one of their encores. So we, we had to wait. Nice. For that one, yeah, that's right. but it was it was great. It was great, and I, I knew it was coming. Like I had a feeling, so I, I yeah. record on on my phone, and I was like, and I hear one, two, three, four. And I knew just by the mm. stick clicks, yeah. by the rhythm of the stick clicks. So that that was that was yeah. a cool moment. I so, might have asked you this like a year and a half ago, but just kind of a sidebar. Did you ever watch? Uh, have you seen their Woodstock set? Yes, that's a, that's a good pro shot that you can watch for free out there on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, on, on YouTube. And yeah. It's unfortunate that I, I don't think much of that made it onto the official Woodstock. Release. Oh no! Like I don't even maybe, know if they got one track on there. Yeah. We, yeah, I remember watching some of their performance when it was going on live on pay per view at, at the Verderon. Yeah. House. They had they, nice. they had it. So we, we we I remember us watching a little bit of King's X, and yeah, I did watch that whole set like, not that too long ago. It was like within yeah. a few years I watched it again. Yeah. It was like, the crowd was so into them. That show. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. it was really cool. It's super similar to when I saw him open for Motley uh, that year, so it was almost like watching the same show. So that's that's a good reference point for the time I saw him the first time. So we talked about the the track that we've chosen from Tapehead, and we're gonna play Groove Machine from Tapehead, and the next track we're gonna play following that is gonna be the opening track from Manic Moonlight, 
and that song is called Believe.
tracks from each album groove machine followed by believe and if i had mentioned before katie texas's finest band king's x the the best band to come from katie texas of all time and i'll just say it, i'll give them uh houston as well uh if since zz top and rest in peace dusty talk about him on i'm definitely going to be doing a proper tribute to the top on rock strikes 10 but uh, ZZ Top is not Houston. Uh, they're more Dallas than Houston. So I, th- I think it's safe to say that. But as far as bands that live there all the time, King's X, best band to come out of Houston, even though they're from Katy, Texas. I believe there is that little connection between ZZ Top 
and King's X and the fact that King's X's original producer, Sam Taylor, I think he had he had worked with ZZ Top at some point. Yeah. I think it's I think it's in, in more in the in the video production. Like I don't think he ever okay. do, produced any of their yeah. music, but I think yeah. yeah, he had some kind of tie with them at some point before yeah. he was working with King's X. And, and not for nothing, they're the only tremendous power trio from Texas that uh, still has their first album recorded lineup together since ZZ Top. That's true. There's uh, there's something in the water. That loyalty, that uh, that just being in sync. I will say, and, and you've been in bands, Pete. A few. I guess I guess there's something to the trio. Yeah. That makes it easier to stay together. Uh, I guess if you're dealing with four and five, the odds are worse that you could stay together. But it looks like the trio was the way to go. Yeah. Uh, and maybe I guess you have to be from where I live. But those two factors really seem to play a part in keeping your band together. So for you kids out there, if you're in uh, Bowling Green uh, and you have a power trio, move down to Texas, claim it, and uh, you're going to last 50 years, my friend. I can almost guarantee you that. And also don't suck. And you might just want to do all ZZ Top and King's X covers. These are words to live by as somebody who was in a, in a trio when I was in Space Beard. It was me and the bass player pretty much all the way through, and we, we went through a few drummers. So yeah, maybe yeah. it is maybe it is something about you know you have to be in Texas. Yeah, something about well, that. yeah. How was Joe Mama Besser when he did gigs with you? <laughs> okay, sorry. He wasn't as good as Eric Stumpy Joe. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> so now it's the point of this episode, just like the previous Record Store Day episode, where I turn it over to Joey and. He is going to show us some of his picks that I did not purchase. I will say that some of these are going to be a little interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll start off with one that I think is interesting, although I think if you're any kind of rock guy, you should have at least one thing to represent a should-be Hall of Famer. Uh, and there's a lot of great women in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, especially the rock women. Joan Jett is a good example, but the one that she heard – like her Elvis is uh, Susie Quattro. And uh, it's a double live album recorded in Japan. That sounds familiar. I'm pretty sure the Runaways did that too later on. Yes. Uh, and uh, some other bands did that too. Uh, but yeah, this killer live and kicking two LP set uh, on white vinyl. Yes, exclusive two LP record store day white vinyl. I have already opened it. I've already listened to it. It's awesome. It's, uh, it's interesting because... You know, you hear those Japanese live albums like Budokan and stuff like that. But overall, it wasn't like a Beatles thing. Like, you know, girls weren't showing up to a Susie Quattro song to be like, oh, my God, you know, like they do in, at, live at Budokan. But it's a very respectful audience. You could tell they're into it and they polite, uh, politely, but it, it's not a raucous, raucous crowd, you know. But it's a good show. They play very well. There's there's the white vinyl with the red label. It's a chrysalis. Chrysalis? Oh, cool. Yeah, chrysalis label, by the way. I don't see a lot of red chrysalis labels, so I don't know if that's yeah. – uh, uh, But, yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I was going to say to you. I was like, you know, I'm so used to the chrysalis label, the, the classic blue and white label, that even yeah. when I see one of those green ones, I'm like, holy shit, a green and red one. That, that, that one I never see. I've never seen one on red. Yeah. All right, so yeah, a little Susie Quattro, and uh, watch this. Out of my sleeves, see if I can get all three of them out here. Oh, boom, look at that. Like clockwork. 
by way of Rhino and somehow into Friday music territory. I still don't know how he gets these licenses, but the monkey's missing links. These are really cool. There's volume one. There's volume two. And there is volume three. Cool thing about this is they do have songs that people know on it, but it's mostly B-sides. It's basically, if it's a song you know, it's an alternate take, or this is great, the television version or television edit, where even maybe it would be played a little differently or sung a little differently. Sometimes that happened. Uh, I'm not the biggest expert. I know a ton of experts about the monkeys, but to my ears, that's what I'm hearing. But that for a band that was supposedly so disposable and they were like, get this song out. We've got product. We've got a show. Right. There's some good B-sides on here that I guess were at one point considered for an album, but I think it's quality stuff. I like that it's all just compiled in this three volumes of vinyl. I guess these only came out maybe officially when the Rhino license happened in the 80s and the comeback happened. But I will say I'm glad Friday didn't put their ter uh, usually terrible mix on here because these sound good to my ears. There's one on red vinyl. I think they're all on red. I've listened to them all, but uh, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see if they're all red. We like color, don't we? Here we go. Oh, more red. There you go. It'd be kind of neat if the color was congruent to the uh, album cover. Yeah. On here, but I'm, I'm always I'm not, in favor of that. I'm not really seeing that, but bare minimum Joe strikes again. Uh, not me. Friday. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, by the way, one of my favorite things is... Uh, on volume three, Missing Links volume three, it's got uh, the television version of the theme song, which on the first album, it's the full version. This is the short version, immediately followed by a Kellogg's jingle oh, that wow. they recorded in the sound studio, <laughs> 1966. It's great. Just hearing Mickey sing this jingle, it's just priceless. Uh, but uh, there's some good rock and roll on here. Oh, yeah. This is so. Volume three, green, on green. So there you go. Got one different like, That's yeah, and there, there's green imaging on volume three, which is cool, but like, why are the other two red? That's very weird. So, but I guess uh, I could tie this into a half joke. It's like Christmas for the monkeys fans, you know. So, yeah, I know. Go. Missing links. <laughs> you know, I was saying to you and well, offline and on messages, I, I saw how how many you know monkeys fans were trying to get all three of those, you know. Yeah. To, uh, varying degrees of success that wasn't easy I, I saw for a few of them before i get to the last two i'll show this other one here i guess picture discs aren't that big anymore at record store day but you see a handful of them and i remember on the last drop tarkus by elp was like one of the big picture discs yeah. uh but what a random title for a picture disc but i i kind of love it i had to get it richard pryor's debut album just called richard pryor came out in the late 60s let's see if i can get a date on here I'm not quite sure what the year is on it. 68. Look at that. I wow. mean, and it's cutting edge material for the time. It's not quite Sunset Strip, Richard, but you can hear just how hard he's going early on uh, with some some titles on here. I can't even say on the air, let's just say. Uh, but, you know, it's it's got some classic bits on here. Yeah, he's going pretty hard here. You see, he's dressed up like a uh, indigenous person with a... Uh, earring bone through his nose there's a there's a close-up of it on the b side right there so oh richard we miss you rest in peace richard what an icon and it's really cool that they put out this record store day thing and you know to my rules of record store day when there's some weird variant like a picture disc or a colored thing or whatever i don't rebuy anything that i don't that i already have it would have to have a lot of extra shit on it or whatever 
And I didn't have this. I can't find a copy of the debut album. It's much like Fear the Record of comedy. Yeah. I can't find this one in the wild. And any one I might have seen was probably very heavily played. Kind of like Cheech and Chong records, man. Finding Mint Cheech and Chong in the wild, you know, those old party albums, it, it's rough, man. Like, it's, uh, you got to find stuff in the cellophane still. So I'm really glad to have this. I, it wasn't in my collection, and now it is. I have a pretty healthy comedy vinyl collection at this point. You know, I got the bigs, Carlin, Pryor, Kennison, uh, Cheech and Chong, stuff like that, you know. A couple of Rodneys. Hey! Okay. So, would you like to do a couple of uh, taking them out of the cellophane, the whole nine yards uh, on this show? Would you like to do a couple of these? Because yeah. uh, there's, there's a couple I haven't listened to yet. Because, you know, yeah. it's like what Roth said. Give me a 72-hour day and we'll play catch-up. Plus, apparently, we're farming cats now. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, while the one's asleep, I'm going to open this up. This is really neat. And I say I'm a hard sell when it comes to score. Although I was guilty as a Henson nerd of buying the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance scores. I say scores, multiple. There were two picture discs that came out on some drops last year with all different original material. And then I saw this on the list and I was like, man, you know what? I don't have it. And I like Aliens. Love Alien. Like Aliens pretty well. I just, I think it, it's a cool series, of course. And uh, nothing wrong with, you know, a James Horner's score, although he did do Titanic, but we won't hold that against him. Uh, but this is, of course, Aliens, the score. And the other reason I got it is because I'm going to know the music and I will listen to this. But since I didn't have it before, I couldn't pass up the gimmick, which is Record Store Day. And it says right there, pressed on acid blood yellow green vinyl. So I haven't even looked up images of this online yet because I was waiting for this episode. So this isn't like any kind of exclusive. It's out. People have seen it. But for me and Pete, this is an exclusive. So I'm going to let it breathe and take it out of the cellophane here. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Hold your breath there, Pete. Hang on. Oh, yeah, look at that. Oh, yeah, look at that. Here we go. Oh, man. I'm going to save that hype sticker for later. Don't worry. It's going to go on the sleeve. So here we go. Let's see what acid, blood, green, whatever it looks like. Oh, Varasi uh, Sarabande. I love saying it. I sound so bougie and fancy when I say that. You know, the record label that does all the film scores. So here you go. It's 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 bowling ball, poison green, okay. you know, with a little bit of yellow acid blood in it. I can see it. Yeah, you know. Not bad. I was expecting a little more, but you know, it's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. That is a pretty. That's pretty spot on to the Alien Blood Acid cover. It looks more green in the picture, looking here on my phone, but in person, it's got more yellow to it. So. Yeah, I, I see the yellow streaks. Yeah. So if you put it up close, it looks more acid blood. If you pull it back here, it looks like a poison album. But you know, <laughs> hey, it's, it's all good. In the last episode, you did mention your your fandom of the Alien movies when you were showing off the Lady Gaga release, so. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that, full circle. Yeah, we're following up there with, with this one that you just opened. So yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a nice looking release there. So I'm sure you're gonna enjoy the hell out of that. Yeah, uh, and here we go. Last one. Yeah, here we go. Let, let, let's open up a little bit of debate and decorum here. Is there, I'm, we could probably think of better best ofs, but this definitely goes on the short list. Top five to ten all-time collections. 
And when you think about the singles era of rock and roll, the fact that it's kind of almost all here in those other two volumes, you know, was it uh, through the past darkly uh, big hits and green grass tides or whatever the hell it sounds like a 10 years after song. Um, <laughs> but uh, those are great. And you know, those are worth owning, but hot rocks is the cream of the crop. So, and the bonus of like, man, they were really going to just give away brown sugar and wild horses and the possibility that it may not be on the next record. How strong are those songs? Yeah. And you part them up here with the Abco stuff. Like it's just, it's almost, it's a day. And I have a lot of nostalgia for this much like probably 95% of the world. This was the first stone CD I ever owned on that, uh, unnecessary two disc because I believe you can fit them all on one, much like Beatles Red, I think. Beatles Red definitely can fit on one disc. This one, this one may be pushing it, probably because of stuff like Sympathy for the Devil. And, you know, well, those those also might have been originally put on CD before they were expanded to 80 minutes. Could be. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. But yes, I'm going, and it's got a killer Obi strip here. You know, and uh, nice. we, might, we might know somebody who was involved in the, in this kind of packaging, however, uh, and shout out to that guy Ron, who may or, who may who may or may not have been on I Am Vinyl recently. Yeah. But this looks great. This looks great, by the way. And in case you're watching, sir, but I'm gonna let this mother breathe right here. Yeah, the only reason I di I didn't pick that one up was because I did buy the other volumes. Yeah. It's sort of a matter of room right now with what I have room for. Yeah, and I, I did kind of break my rule on rebuying. I've got an older copy of this, and it's actually in pretty good shape, but th they threw in some inserts here, and yeah, it's not the color. For me, the thing on the OB strip that put me over the top, because I walked into the store that day thinking, ah, I, I'm not going to get this. I have hot rocks. But that OB started looking at me, and it said, lithographs on archival paper, and I was like, God damn it. I need a definitive hot rocks. So, uh, yes. Uh, there you go. Smell. Yeah, I guess get the smell test. Like my brother, that's like my brother. He does that. He has to smell everything when he opens it. Well, he's insane. I'm a normal person. No, I'm just kidding. Um, there you go. Um, you know what? And by the way, this is probably in my top three stones pictures of all time, just because Charlie's right up front and he's just like sulking, but he's yeah. in the, He's in the front. Everybody else in the background, he's standing there like like he's just uh, presiding over the guys. And he looks so salty like he always does. But he kind of looks proud of himself at the same time. I love Charlie. He's he's my favorite over it guy. So, yeah, there's a uh, – there you go. Nice. So uh, let's take these sleeves out. Let's find out what's going on here. Ooh, the insides are in yellow, by the way. Let's see if I can get that oh, on the camera. I see it. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I, I appreciate those little things. If that's fun. No download code. I don't have these songs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's the one time it's kind of unnecessary, right? Uh, yeah. Here you go. Here's one of the lithographs. It's cool. It's very frameable. It's like a eight, it's an eight by ten basically. Nice. Watch the it's cat. Got the, yeah, I know. You see, <laughs> mine. This is my Rolling Stones album. Yeah, London. Look at that London Records Group sleeve cool. printed. Good job, guys. ZZ Top is on London once again. Let's get into that. So. Oh, I didn't even know they were on London. Well, initially, they were, yeah. So there you go. Nice little yellow print right there with the classic London label. Very cool. 
All right. Safe to say that just like any of the previous Stones RSDs, that's going to sound phenomenal. Uh, there's no way it's not. Like I, I can already hear it in my head. Uh, let's see here. Did we get two? It did kind of say plural in that write-up, didn't it? Let the graphs. I think so. Let's, yeah. see, what, let's see what this other sign has. Ooh. Oh, this is great. Uh, this sleeve. Let, I'll do this last. Okay. So the, yeah, I got a, I got another lithograph. Looks like outtakes from the photo session. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That might have been in some of the packaging before. I don't know, but that's really neat. This is great. The other picture. It's like the other thing here. 211 reasons why the Rolling Stones is the world's greatest rock and roll band. It lists every song from every record wow. <laughs> up to up to that point. How great was, is that? Two, was 211 that songs. Was that included in in original pressings, or is that? I don't know. I I guess I don't think I've ever had an original. The ones I always have came in generics. Okay. So, nice. yeah. But that's really neat. Maybe that was a press sheet, you know, and they just put it in here for the sleeve. I don't know. That's possible. But that's really neat. I'm like little things like that. Aces guys, by the way, since I might, since someone that's involved in this process might actually hear it. Great job that justify. And this thing wasn't cheap either. So, um, so yeah, that's probably another reason why some people might have balked on it. So I totally get it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that was part that of it. I think yeah, that was like around seventy bucks, right? Yeah. 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 No. No. Yeah, so I'm going to keep that over here. It's going to look like that in the sleeve. Looks great. Can't wait to spin it tonight. Nothing like a, nothing like hot rocks on a Saturday night, man. That's some good shit right there. Good so, shit. Good shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. That's Joey's picks. Yeah, I don't have a lawn friend to take me out. But uh, that was, that's the rest of the stuff that I got for Record Store Day. But, yeah, Kellogg's ad by the monkeys. <laughs> that's what Record Store Day is all about. Yeah, before we close, just as we were talking about hardcore music with Chromags before. Yeah. So just in, in my, you know, curiosity as far as, you know, me being a fan of hardcore music, is any of the versions of Stepping Stone on any of those Three Monkeys releases? Oh, yeah, let's, I, I heard them, but I don't think I heard Stepping Stone when I played them. Because I played them back to back to back. I listened to them like all at the same time. So let's let's get through this again here. The only the only songs that have been on other records or are notable that people would know uh, is there's an alternate version of Valerie. I think it's like a album versus single version or something like that. I want to be free. I'll be back on my feet. Words. The theme song. There's a live version of Circle Sky. And I tell you, Stepping Stone is definitely not on any of these. <laughs> And there's no like notable covers, for instance, although some of these songs were written by other people, like the people that helped write those songs back in the day, Boys and Heart, Goffin and King. No Harry Nelson songs that I could tell. I was kind of hoping for a Harry Nelson outtake, but don't see one on here. Very happy I was able to get that because I felt like because of the price, if I thought about doing Hot Rocks later, it'd still be out there. And they probably still are, honestly. Because I mean, it's been pressed so many times. That that have been, that have kind of been like if they'd have put Beatles Blue or Red out for Record Store Day and just put a book inside of it. I, I get that. I'd say the the haven't heard it gem out of it is probably the Susie Quattro. It's a lot of fun. It's it's good. It's it's riding the wave between power pop, punk, and glam rock. It's kind of a little bit of everything. And even like you know the yeah bubblegum teeny bopper stuff. 
but there's that cool punk element to it. If you just know her from Happy Days, that's also cool. Yeah, that's like, awesome. like it, it's just cool. It's just cool to hear her on stage owning it, like at a time where that still wasn't much of a thing. And even, you know, before the Runaways really popped off, she was already doing it before that. So, but yeah, she's technically a one-hit wonder in the states, which is kind of weird considering how catchy her stuff is. But it's a song called "Stumbling In." So if if you were around in the 70s, you might have heard it, maybe even regionally. But yeah, she should be in the Hall of Fame for sure. Anyway, I said my piece on that. Titanic still sucks. <laughs> okay, so I guess we, we can close on, on that note as far as the records. I think these Record Store Day drops were pretty good as far as the releases we got. Every, everything that I purchased, I was happy with. Looking forward to the next one, Black Friday, and maybe we'll get Tesla Mechanical Resonance. That one was dropped off the list. And yes. Mr. Big, Lean Into It on Red Vinyl. The yeah. Tesla was supposed to be on blue vinyl, so I'm anticipating those. I actually saw Mr. Big, uh, or Billy Sheehan, made some announcement about Lean Into It that it's definitely going to be re-released in November to celebrate the 30-year anniversary. So. Oh, so it might be a Black Friday RSD instead. But the, 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 that record sold well enough, and so the Tesla one. They should just get regular releases. I don't I agree. This, this partic- I think it's this one particular label. I'm yeah, like. Are you just are you so much of an upstart that you can't just regularly press these records? I don't get that. But uh, that all being said, those particular kind of albums it really got my wheels spinning. Like, man, there's certain albums I want on vinyl from that era, like that melodic hard rock into heavy metal era from the '90s. And I know that there's you know limited appeal. I get it. I'm realistic about these things. Like I'm even saying, like, man, I understand that Motley Crue disowns their John Karabi album for personal reasons. But Record Store Day, yeah, put that, that John Karabi album should be a Record Store Day thing. Subhuman yeah. Race by Skid Row. Yes. I need I need that in my life. Me too. And I need like a David Lee Roth, Your Filthy Little Mouth. I need that in my life. Mm-hmm. Hell, even Diamond Dave, the, the Magna Carta release yeah. that he put out. I, would like to I need that on vinyl too. Yeah, I need it. I need to complete the set. I'm I, I've, I'm pretty much have all the 45s and the 12 inches and the picture discs. I need a complete Roth on wax. Help me out, guys. I'll even take Friday at this point. I don't want it, but I'll take it. If you're listening out there, somebody do it. That fly-by-night label that's holding the Tesla records hostage and the Cinderella records hostage, <laughs> get get some Roth in your life. Get some subhuman race. I mean, still climbing should happen at some still point, right? Cinderella. Rest in peace, I Jack mean, especially, especially now. Yeah, exactly. And I hate that it's under those circumstances, but that's got to happen now, right, yeah. you would think? That's a good segue to get out of here, right? Yeah, I think so. so we just want to wrap up and uh, talk about some of our other shows here at cnjradio.com. Obviously, we'll start with your show, Rock Strikes 10. What's coming up in, in the canon and what's currently out there right now? A cat? <laughs> look, at this, look at this bullshittery, man. <laughs> Uh, those that are not watching on YouTube, there is lots of cattery going on right now. So got to tune into the YouTube channel to see all this cattery. <laughs> yeah. Once again, cat videos of cats being assholes. <laughs> okay. Now that I've got your attention and people love cat videos, go to cnjradio.com. Check out the Rock Strikes 10 podcast. I will be doing the top 20 video countdown on a radio show. Uh, for MTV's 40th anniversary this week, 
Also, because it's so important, I decided to delay the Dusty Hill tribute and expand it into a ZZ Top Rock and Rank special. We're going to count down and rank the ZZ Top catalog, in my opinion, and in the cat's opinion. It's going to be awesome. And as you know, I love me a countdown show, so I will take this as seriously as I do the other ones. Plus, I'm from Texas, so it's going to have to be great. So I guarantee it. Top 20 video countdowns, easy top rock and rank. Eventually, the episode will recover the Hella Mega Tour with my wife. That's going to happen. So tune into that. Also, check out Wrestling House Show, Talking Rock, Last Theater. I am Vinyl, and the Synaptic Empire featuring Randy Brown, True Alternative, also a pet owner, but he has dogs. That's why he never sends episodes, because they bark all day. God, man. All right. Well, <laughs> the cat just does not want us to sign off, but we're going to have to do it anyway. So, I again, Joey, it was great talking with you about the latest Record Store Day releases. and Likewise, likewise, yeah. I'll, Look forward to the next one with Black Friday. But before Black Friday, we do have some other episodes that I have in mind that are going to be coming up sooner rather than later. So, And for those that have tuned in and have heard the Kiss Roundtable episodes, I do plan on recording the next one for Creatures of the Night coming up oh, nice. very soon. So I'm thinking of recording that one for a September release. So if anybody's been wondering... Okay. That one is on the list. So for All now. Right. We're going to do a quick stump the, stump the trunk on Creatures of the Night real quick. Just to ah. see if the rest of the roundtable listens and watches this show. Ah. If they, if you ask them during the episode, you'll know who listens and who doesn't. You ready? Pete. I'm, I'm ready. Ask me. What is, okay. What is the only song on Creatures of the Night where the touring lineup plays on it? In full. I'm talking Paul, Gene, Vinny, and Eric. What is the only song on Creatures that is performed by those four guys and nobody else? Uh, <laughs> is it I Love It Loud? Uh, Damn. <laughs> the answer is the worst song on the album, Keep Me Coming. Oh, is it really? Wow. It, it is. Yeah, so... You uh, roundtable guys, when Pete asks you that on the episode, he's going to know if you're watching and listening or not. So I'm a cheater. Can... I'm a cheater. Joey gave me the answers. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. Well, that's but a good way go. for us. That's, I think that's a good way for us to sign off. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. Thank you for accepting my non-professionalism in cats. Well, look, you know, we expect the unexpected here at the I Am Vinyl podcast, and it was a good time. <laughs> I just thank everybody who is tuning in on either the I Am Vinyl podcast network on cnjradio.com or here on YouTube. I just thank everybody for tuning in, checking out the show, and, and we'll see you all next time on our next episode. Be a good person. <laughs> yeah, don't be a shithead. Yeah, you rub a head. Don't be a dick. <laughs>